You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Morning Startup, where we believe you can develop neural pathways that will awaken you to a full heart and clear mind. Live with joy, health, and success. I'm your host, Michael Oliver, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Deborah Dyack and Maria Gosher. So good afternoon. <laughs> so we're very, very excited and very honored to have Krishna Doss with us uh, today. Um, and we're going to jump into it pretty quick here, although I want to share a little bit um, uh, to kind of set this up. I want to share a little a little bit of uh, about Krishna Das, and then uh, we're just going to open it up to have a conversation. The format, as you know, with the morning startup here is we always like to have a conversational format, and we'll just kind of see where it goes. So Krishna Das has been called yoga's rock star, layering traditional kirtan with instantly accessible melodies in modern instrumentation. And we're going to talk to Krishna Das about what kirtan really means. For those of you out there in our listening audience that aren't familiar with that, we're going to have Krishna Das explain a little bit more about that um, to us. Though his soulful, through his soulful voice touches the deepest chord and even the most casual listener, he has become a worldwide icon and the best-selling Western chant artist of all time. His album, Live Ananda, released in January 2012, was nominated for a Grammy in the Best New Age Album category. Some of his heroes are, as Ray Charles, Van Morrison, Steely Dan, Bruce Springsteen, Slash, Guns N' Roses, and that's rather interesting. So we're going to have him talk a little bit about that as he shares his his history with us uh, up to his present time. KD, as he is known to his fans and his friends, was also co-founded Triloka Records, a California-based label specializing in world music. And in February 2013, Krishna Das performed at the Grammy Awards in Los Angeles, California, streamed online to millions of viewers. He also had an award-winning film called One Track Heart, The Story of Krishna Das, which has been in over 100 U.S. cities, over 10 countries worldwide, and is available on DVD everywhere. With the release of his 16th album, Peace of My Heart was on October of 2018. Um, we welcome you, Krishna Das. Thank you very much for taking <clears throat> the time out of your busy schedule to to share your <laughs> to share your wisdom with us today. Really appreciate. Well, I don't know about wisdom, Thank but you. You know, when I I listened to that litany you just went through, <laughs> I wonder, why do I still feel I'm just a schmuck I've always been? I don't understand this. <laughs> I was wondering if you could share a little bit because we have a mixed audience uh, today. We have uh, those who follow you quite c- closely, are really familiar with kirtan and chanting and, you know, the the kind of world that that sits in. Um, but there's also our listeners out there that this is very new to. And so I was wondering if you could kind of, as you share a couple of things, one is kind of your journey of where you were and how you got to where you are today. And within that, kind of talk about this this kirtan and, and what that is and what that means. Um, I think that would be a good starting point for us. Okay. That's uh, a lot. <laughs> I know where I've been. I'm not sure where, well, I'm not sure where I am. <laughs> so you, and I certainly don't know where I'm yeah, going, but right. we'll do it the best we can. Yeah. Um, I went to India when I was 23 and to meet, uh, a being named Neem Karoli Baba, who was Ramdas's guru. Ramdas had been there uh, the previous year, and he had returned. And when he came back, I met him, 
And uh, when I met him, really my whole life changed. It was subtle, but extraordinary. Hmm. Actually, when I he was staying up at his father's uh, place up in New Hampshire in the country. Mm -hmm. And I drove up there. And when I walked into the room where he was sitting, uh, just walked into the room, there wasn't even eye contact, not a word was spoken. The minute I walked into that room, I knew that whatever it was I was looking for was real. Wow. It absolute, not only was it real, but you could find it. Mm-hmm. And that, that realization, that epiphany, that, that just changed everything. Because up until that time, I'd been doing yoga, pranayama, meditation, going to see, there weren't many teachers in the States yet. You Mm -hmm. know, this is, we're talking 1968. Right. Right, right. But whatever was around, whoever was around, and whatever books there were to read, I read them. Mm -hmm. But still, there were books, Mm -hmm. you know, and anybody can write anything in a book, you don't know if it's real. Right. But when I walked into the room, I saw, I understood, you really can find what you're looking for, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking like spiritual things, but mm-hmm. in daily life, people really, it's, it is possible to achieve things in daily life that you, you really don't think you ever can. Do you, were you and, searching uh, for that? Um, were you, so that's really interesting to me. Were you in your, in within yourself as you as you were getting ready to to have that that meeting or walking into that room were you searching you were you were practicing yoga you were reading books but was there yeah. something in within yourself where you were asking questions and searching or was just something that you oh, were Oh no definitely yeah. definitely you know it goes back to even in high school somebody gave me uh, the gospel of ramakrishna mm. which is his uh, book about this incredible saint from the 1800s. And that was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Autobiography of a Yogi came to me yes. and Zen and Japanese culture, things, uh, just a few books, you know. Mm-hmm. Good books. <laughs> uh, good books. Uh, and um, so I was searching, definitely searching. And I was also very depressed, very unhappy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think uh, your neurosis is really not, uh, it's, it, it's actually a sign that, that, that something's not working right. Mm-hmm. And until you can figure out or contact that place within a, us that, that makes everything all right, mm-hmm. uh, it, you're still going to have that kind of stuff going on in your psychology and stuff like that. Right. But so yeah, so when I met Ramdas, I, I I understood that that there was something that was absolutely real, and that it was just beyond anything I I knew in my head. But I immediately felt it intuitively, you know, mm-hmm, so to speak, mm-hmm. in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a big thing, a very, very big thing for me. And I have to say, in most of your titles, um, most everything is about the heart. 
which yeah, I know. we love. If, <laughs> if you could explain that, and I know that relates to bhakti yoga for people yeah. who aren't familiar with that, you, that you've dedicated yeah. your life to that service. Thank you for saying that. Uh, I really don't think of it that way. I just think of myself as a starving man who's looking for food. <laughs> I don't think that I've dedicated my life uh, to it. I just need it. You know, I have uh, to have it or I don't uh-huh. live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's really what it is. Uh, and what we're talking about is without trying to get too mystical, it, 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 you know, they say that within us there's a place that is absolutely all right. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling of okayness. It's a feeling of basic goodness and and basic happiness, actually, that doesn't depend on anything else from the outside. But it's actually our true nature. It's like a, a bubble of this these feelings that live within us that we've lost touch with. Mm-hmm with modern life and, and all the craziness and the distractions and the ups and downs and all the, the stuff like now in the COVID situation, yeah, the pandemic yeah. and the politics and the social upheaval. There's so much that grabs us and pulls us out of ourself away from that natural feeling. Mm-hmm. And you understand this natural feeling, it's not one or the other. When you really can touch this place within it changes the way everything is. You can still uh, be active in the world. You can still be socially engaged. You can still be present for people. It just it gives it a, a perspective, a context, mm-hmm. and, a, and a, a deeper uh, okayness, even if it's not so okay looking in the outside world. It's an inner strength that's natural. Yeah. One so, of the- One of the interesting things that you had said or I read in an interview, I think when people are on the path, some people want to get it from Amazon (laughs) or whatever, hoping they can (laughs) find enlightenment that way, or that they have to change who they are to become what they want to be. And what I admire about you so much is that you are true to yourself and to your life. And if you could talk about that, that it isn't necessarily changing who you are. Things may change as a result of, of sure. the decisions you make. <clears throat> it's okay to love rock and roll still, and it's okay to do. Why not? You know? Exactly. I, basically, I, I, the way I look at it, once again, thank you for saying that, but I, I look at it like I tried to be everybody else, but I failed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm just me. There's <laughs> nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I have likes cool. and dislikes and things, are, things that are meaningful to me. For instance, when I started to chant with people, uh, I started off and I sang the melodies I had learned in India because I I spent so much time in India, not just the first two and a half years, but every year once or twice going. So when I started singing with people in 1994, what was natural was singing the melodies that I had learned. Mm -hmm. But as the actual practice deepened and I became even more relaxed about it, uh, melodies started to come through like from, you know, from the music that was important to me, you know, and rock and roll and folk music and blues. And the melodies just changed. The words are still 
these mantras that they call in India the names of God, the divine name. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the transmission of those names became uh, more natural to who I am as a human being, which I grew up on Long Island. I grew up with all kinds of, you know, music. And, and I didn't grow up in India. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't grow up with those incredible extraordinary ragas and, and you know the, that lifetime practice Indian music is extraordinary so I just surrendered to, to singing what I like you know mm-hmm. uh, why would I sing what I don't like right <laughs> <laughs> and look what happened people actually like what I sing too so they hang around that's great you know? <laughs> so it resonates right and I, I think that what I find interesting is that um, maybe you can help me understand a little bit about the the chanting. It's a um, yeah. It's I don't have this right. It's the differentiate between well, chanting and kirtan. And there's like a call and yeah. re, is it a call and response? Is that it's the call and response? Call yeah. and response. The, way I, the chant kirtan. Yeah, it's okay. call and response chanting. So I noticed that it's it's in a it's in a in a different language. Is it's in a different language, and so. If I was sitting, I never, I never noticed. Yeah, well, <laughs> so <laughs> so not being familiar with that. Yeah. If I'm listening, which I have, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. I'm very drawn to the to the to the energy of it, if you will, for lack of better, yeah. Yeah. but I don't understand what what the words are, and I'm I'm I and I ha- there's a part of me that wants to know what is being said, but there's another mm-hmm. part of me that feels like I don't need that. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I was looking yeah. forward to talking to you today about it because I personally that's something that I kind of struggle with. I'm wondering if you could help me yeah. kind of sort that out. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, you say you don't know what the words mean up here, right? But you right. know what they mean here, which is why you're attracted to them, why why you resonate with them, and you are being f- allowed to relinquish the thinking mind. And the obsessive flow of thoughts that constantly evaluate and judge and try to understand <laughs> blah, 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 blah. so you when you chant when we chant we 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 sing or chant these words these mantras and when we notice that we haven't been paying attention we come back mm. We, will, we let go of where we've been lost in, dreamland, thinking about the future, the past, mm-hmm. evaluating the present, thinking about the person sitting next to us, and, wow, they're kind of cute, you know. <laughs> Leaving all that behind, coming back to what we came there to do. Mm-hmm. Every time you come back, as I noticed in your uh, introduction, actually the neural pathways in the brain are deepened mm. for just that particular movement mm-hmm. back home. Mm. And... Where does our suffering come from, okay? There's physical suffering, and then there's the mental anguish that comes from our response to physical suffering. Mm -hmm. And our response to situations that arise in our lives. So two people can have the same situation, and one can be destroyed by it, Mm -hmm. and the other can not only survive, but flourish and grow. Mm -hmm. So... uh, our real suffering is mental hmm. and emotional. Right. And when we chant, we're actually training ourselves to 
and develop the strength to, to let go of whatever is dictating our moods to us and our emotions and pushing us around. Mm-hmm. So through the practice, you just keep coming back again and again. And you don't want to be coming back to what you think the words mean because then you're just thinking about it. Yes. So you come simply back to the sound mm-hmm. or the feeling of the chanting. And for, to do that, you have to let go of the thinking for a millionth of a second, actually, mm-hmm. before you're gone again, if right. you're really paying attention. Right. So that's why we surround ourselves with a group of people, usually, before COVID. Right. And, uh, <laughs> right. Even when you're wandering around, the person next to you, sting- and you're still singing. The, the sound's still coming out of your mouth. You're not even hearing what you're doing. Hmm. And when you start to notice this, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And you realize that you've been going through all your days completely living in dreamland, really not present at all. Mm-hmm. That's true. Bouncing off of yeah. one thing after the other thing after the other thing. Mm-hmm. Well, so, even though these are called the names of God, you have to understand in the East, that word God has many flavors of meaning. There's only one God. And we are all a part of that, actually. Mm -hmm. And all the deities are a part of that oneness. So these are just doorways into our own true nature, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So through the repetition of the name, my guru said, everything is accomplished by this practice. Everything. And he didn't mess around. Mm -hmm. Of course, he lied all the time. Like, he'd run away. He said, he'd be leaving the temple. He said, I'll be back later today. And he wouldn't come back for three months, you know. But about these things, he never misled us at all. Yeah. It gives me such joy to hear that. Yeah. I was Because I was... um, when I saw you at the temple, I brought my sister-in-law. So a shout out to Cindy if you're here. When you began Kirtan, I felt such joy. I went into a place at home or seated within myself, whatever, until she said, what is he saying? And I felt such shame temporarily. My ego took over. I, I, it's like I, I know it's joyful. It's about God. It's about peace. And that's good enough for me, but then I thought I probably <laughs> should be studying yeah. this. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. This is good. No, you getting stuck is our natural, uh, unnatural state, which we spend almost all of our time in. But, and the fact, and what happens is the more you do these practices, the more you actually recognize how stuck you are mm-hmm. again and again and again. And that's when you can let go. Most people, they get born graduate high school, they drink some beer, and they die. Yeah, right. (laughs) And they're not here for one second of their lives. Mm -hmm. Not one second are they actually fully alive and fully present. Mm -hmm. So when you start to do these practices, they they themselves are the saving grace. The practices themselves reveal to us where we are lost and also give us the method for finding ourselves. And I know at one point you'd said the sacred names that are in Kirtan with the chanting can be used um, if people find themselves in a place 
where they need to be calm and need to bring peace back into their life, that it can be used as a mantra. Is this correct? Did I misunderstand? Okay. They are mantras. They're called Maha Mantra, the great mantra. Uh, you know, there's mantras for everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's mantras for finding buried treasure. There's mantras for controlling snakes. There's mantras to be able to steal your neighbor's wife. Yeah. There's, mantras, there's mantras to become president of the United States. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, right. <laughs> Who knew? Somebody knew. Yeah. Uh, but these mantras are only good for one thing, for love, real love, the love that lives within us and all of us as who we really are, mm-hmm. underneath all this stuff. So these are the most powerful mantras in that respect. Uh, they can be done by anybody at any time. There's no special initiation that has to happen. Uh, you don't. There's nothing to get from anyone, you, because everybody has this inside already. I really like that, um, I, and I appreciate that clarification because mm-hmm. I, you know, I I as one tend to for lack of better uh, description, at times really get into my head, you know, where I try to, like I think you articulated it really well earlier, where I try to figure things out and what does that mean. Um, think it through. Think it through. But I've also had the experience in these moments of times where that all goes away. And it's, it's I can't even articulate the deeper knowing other than say there's a deeper knowing there, but I can't even articulate what it is other than it is that. Um, don't go there. And what I, what I think is it's so important now is that idea about uh, being in that, that place of love and, and that I think that we've – and I think you've touched on that is we've, we've really lost it without even realizing that we've lost it. Well, we're born into a culture, first of all, that doesn't even believe it's possible. Yeah. Western culture is all about stuff. Yeah, so true. It's it's not about finding oneself. Yeah. Uh, And the available religious training that that surrounds us when we're growing up, they don't really seem to talk about spirituality as a practice. Right. It's either blind faith or nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. So yes. That never really worked for me, you know. Yeah. That is so, so. true. Uh, in our culture, I, I know that I was in higher education for many, many years before I retired, and I brought up the concept of having a meditation room. Um, and it, it's people don't laugh so much now, um, <laughs> but that was so foreign. And many <clears throat> people live divided lives and I admire people like you who have committed themselves to a focus. How did you begin to live an undivided life where one part of you is working as the old self and then transitioning into where you want to be or did it happen? Like when you took on a new name, and and I'd love to hear about that too, your name, um, when you – take on a name with your path well as far as living an undivided life i'll let you know when it happens (laughs) okay 
<laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm right there. Uh, <laughs> Every time I'm up the top of the pole, I slide. Well, not the top, halfway up. <laughs> I slide right back to the bottom. So it's it's, it's always it's feeling hard. like we're walking between it's two hard. worlds. I mean, it, it, that's how I feel sometimes. You know, where mm-hmm. you you know where you talk about doing the practice and. Yeah, and I get into that place of of practicing, whether it's the meditation, listening to the chants, getting that place, and then I walk out into the world, and I find myself slipping away from getting. Uh, and what I mean slipping away is I'm getting caught up in all the other stuff, quote unquote. And it's almost like at times, I I, I get caught up in it, and I like almost it's like almost catching myself caught up. And it. it's like in meditation when you realize your your mind is. Now spending time elsewhere and you catch it and then you, you bring it back to the breath. It's like sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm caught up in all this stuff. And I, I'm always looking at how to get back to that place where I can walk, where I can be in that place more than not. And it always seems like a struggle. Like I always feel like I have to have, you know, I have to have the chant on in order to, to, to get me there. But if the chant goes off then I might be in that bliss for a short period of time, but then almost without realizing it, now I'm back into the world. It's practice. I, I don't know if this is making sense. I feel, I feel like I'm babbling right now. No, it's part no, of no, the I, practice. I understand what you're saying perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, the mistake you're making is that you're holding on to what you consider to be a pleasant state of mind oh. or a pleasant state of consciousness mm-hmm. as opposed to an unpleasant state. Mm-hmm. See, the name that you've been chanting comes from a place deeper than either one of those two alternatives. Mm-hmm. So, but but you identified the pleasant with that. Oh, I'm making progress on yeah. the path. This is really right. good. I'm I'm, right. I'm finally getting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought again, <laughs> and again, and again. <laughs> or ah, oh, this sucks. I can't pay any attention. I'm not going. This is yes. bullshit. I'm going to. Yes, you know, he thought. Again and again and again, you what what we need what we're developing is the ability to let go, mm. not to analyze or hold on mm-hmm. to things that we we like and push away things we don't like. Mm-hmm. Let go. Yeah, you can be in the middle of, of of rush hour traffic, pissed off as hell, and then let go. Mm-hmm. It's letting go now. Every repetition of the name and every time you return home from being gone, so to speak, a seed is planted in your mind stream, in, in, mm. the, in your life force. Those seeds grow mm-hmm. as, as the conditions for them to grow arise. Mm-hmm. So our job is simply to plant the seeds, not to be standing over the, the, the spot where we put it in the ground and just like, waiting for see a, a little piece of green come up. You know? Right, right. You know, it's not yeah. like that. It, it's yeah. just not like that. You do your practice, you live your life. Your practice changes you from the inside out. Mm-hmm. This is not something you do with your will. I'm going to make myself the nicest guy in the world. God damn it! And if they don't <laughs> like me, I'll kill them. <laughs> no, it's not like that. You, right. you do your practice... You plant the seeds and mm-hmm. let them grow. And in the meantime, you try to treat other people the way you would like to be treated. Yeah, yeah. What is the problem here? Right. What, however, is that easy? No. 
Mm-hmm. And right, that, the right. strength to do that comes from practice over time. I see. So you had always said the ripening comes from the inside. Is that what that of means? Course. The ripening Absolutely. comes from the inside. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's Beautiful. exactly it. And, you know, on the other hand, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Because if we're interested in this crazy stuff at all, it's because we ourselves have done practice. We, have, we ourselves have planted seeds that have grown to this moment. Yes. Yeah. This, you see, everything, every, everything has a cause. Mm-hmm. Nothing is without cause. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause and effect is very powerful. And if this is the effect right now mm-hmm. that we're interested in this stuff, that's an effect of causes that we ourselves had to create at some point. Mm-hmm. And this moment becomes the cause of the next moment or the next period of time or the next breath or the next thought, you see. Mm-hmm. So planting the seeds and because with these mantras, these maha mantras, these names, they invoke the, the deepest place within us, our true nature, our soul. These are the names of our soul, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so we're by invoking those names, we're moving ourselves in that direction. We're releasing from the outside and moving back in. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not something that the evaluative judgmental mind is going to be able to pick up on. Yes. Because yes. it's the evaluator and the judger that's being thinned out. Mm-hmm. And washed away. So all we do is plant the seeds and live our lives the best way we can. Mm-hmm. And as the those seeds grow and our understanding, our heartful understanding and our uh, sincerity deepens, we treat people differently. We treat ourselves differently. The things that turn us on just kind of change. Mm-hmm. We don't have to change them. We right. find ourselves doing less of the things that are destructive right. to our own peace of mind and more of the things that are maybe boring to other people but seem to give us some some uh, state of relaxation and, and joy mm-hmm. or happiness. Mm-hmm. And I think happens in the, by itself. Yeah. yeah, I think in the West we tend um, not to have a lot of patience or we have this expectation of instant gratification or that I should be a guru in five years or whatever, that yeah. I should be enlightened, whatever that means. Yeah. And and I think I love hearing what you're saying, live your life and the change will happen as it should naturally happen, but there's no expectation. It's well, we can't really get rid of expectation, you know, but... We don't have to be ruled by it because, Mm. once again, all these things like expectation and anxiety, both sides of all those things, they're they're thoughts and emotions. Mm -hmm. And we're training ourselves to let go. And ultimately, there'll be a moment where there's nothing and no one to let go, uh, period. And it's just everything is everything. And there's open space and joy and peace and calm and, and caring and kindness yeah. Those qualities naturally arise little by little as we obsess about ourselves less and less. Mm-hmm. It's almost like returning. I, I get when I when I hear you 
share that, I, it almost feels like returning to a place <clears throat> where we once yeah. were. It's almost like we were once were somewhere, we got lost, and now we have to figure a way to get back to where we once were. Um, does, does that make sense? Or going back. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Well, you know. go back to the, the, the myth of the Garden of Eden. Wasn't it this, the apple that represented the knowledge of of good and evil, or the uh, pairs of opposites, that they call it in mm-hmm. Buddhism? Before that, there was no thought about that. There was no right. self-reflective uh, awareness. Yes. There was just pure awareness. Yes. So that's the ego was formed at mm-hmm. that moment, and heaven and earth were separated, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah, it, absolutely. Uh, returning or unwinding is also yeah. a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is your take on enlightenment? There's... Because I'm just thinking what what someone may think of as enlightenment, someone else may not. Chop wood, carry water. <laughs> some people, or what? What is your take on on that? Well, philosophically, enlightenment can mean many different things. But this, but basically, one would have to say that it would mean uh, it would mean uh, the end of suffering on any and all levels. Hmm. It would also mean the end of creating suffering. And in Buddha's, uh, as Buddha was entering into this enlightenment awareness, uh, he saw the ego and he say, oh, house builder, hmm. no more houses will you build for me. See, people think enlightenment means uh, you're gone. Right. You know, there's like, a, like I remember I had an experience once I was sitting with my guru. We used to just sit and hang around. I mean, it wasn't, it was so great. It was just so funky and relaxed and easy and laughing and joking and fruit flying around in all directions. And I, I was sitting there. I had, I had taken my bath, as they say, and, you know, thrown a bucket of water over me and put on my white clothes and I was sitting down and I just I almost laughed out loud because I saw my in my, I saw that my idea of liberation of enlightenment was some place that I would not be wow wow so and I saw I experienced the fact that it's exactly the opposite Mm. There is no place you will not be, ever, mm-hmm. at ever. You're here, you will always be here. You can come and go, but wherever you ask yourself, where am I? The answer is going to be yeah. right yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that goes in psychologically, emotionally, and in time as well. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then I saw that that, that uh, false feeling about liberation mm-hmm. was based on self-hatred. Wow. Because wow. I didn't love myself. There was no way I could be anywhere where that was good. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I would not allow myself into the room where goodness was because I believed myself to be unworthy of mm-hmm. love. Wow. That's very powerful. Yeah. yeah. And how how many of us have the same issues? 
and and how many of us suffer from the frustration of not being able to fill up that hole yes. of self-hatred, yes. right. no matter how much shit we pour on it. Yeah, Houses, cars, relationships, people, mm-hmm. things, fancy this, fancy that. You just can't fill that hole up. Right. So... Wow. That was a big moment for me, too. Yeah. A little moment that was big. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I loved your relationship with Maharashi, that he was that he would love to tease you or have fun. And I know that you had said uh, about your name, if you could, um, where mm. he gave you a name. <clears throat> yeah, well, <laughs> here it comes. So. <laughs> My no, Ron Bass had no. bought this Volkswagen bus from some other Westerners that we later found out had been used to smuggle hash somewhere. Or <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were driving all around India. We're following Maharaji around, this and that. And at one point, Maharaji said to Ram Das, Ram Das, you're a saint. You have to go on the, the public buses. So you can't, don't touch money and all this stuff. So, and Maharaji said, give Give him your keys. So he gave me the keys to the car. <laughs> Maharaj says, my name was Jeff. Jeff is the driver now. And so for like, I would say six months, my name was driver. <laughs> Maharaj goes, driver, driver. <laughs> so I, I had just written, uh, then one night I'm writing like in my diary, you know, and I, I said, well, I guess it's always going to be driver. Everybody else had names like Ram Das, Das, that Das, Hanuman, this one, you know, everybody. And here I am with driver. I said, okay, fine, if that's what he wants. <laughs> the next day I go to the temple and Maharaji calls me in his room and he looks at me and says, Arjun, nay, Krishna, nay. Krishna Das. I said, Krishna Das? I'm a Hanuman guy. I'm a Ram guy. What is this stuff? He just laughed. He loved it. You know, you know, he, said, ah, he said, don't worry, don't worry. Hanumanji served Krishna too. So, and the, oh, I love that's it. That's great. And it's funny that later on I found this story in the Mahabharata where, <clears throat> you know, Krishna was Arjuna's charioteer. I don't know if you know the whole story. It's the war between the good guys and the bad guys. All of the world is on one side, right. and the other half of the world is on the other side, the good and bad. And Krishna, who is God, is serving as Arjuna, who's the greatest warrior, as his mm-hmm. charioteer. So all through the battle goes on. Gone. Finally, the war is over. And Krishna says to Arjuna, he says, Arjuna, every day as your charioteer, I would get off the chariot first, and I would take your hand and help you down from the chariot. Today, you get off of the chariot and run as fast as you can away from it, as fast as you can. So Arjun jumped down, he runs away. Krishna steps off of the chariot. And the chariot had a flag, on a red. it was a white flag, I believe, with a red monkey on the flag. And as soon as Krishna got down off of the chariot, the monkey in the flag flew off into the sky and the chariot exploded in a million pieces. Wow. And Krishna says to Arjuna, he says, haven't you ever wondered why during the whole war when everybody else had to get their chariots uh, replaced, yours, never, nothing ever happened to it? He said, Hanuman was sitting in the flag and absorbing all the bombs that wow. were thrown at you. Right. <laughs> so. 
So it's yeah. a beautiful name. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So Krishna Das, yeah. It took a while to get used to it, to tell you the truth, you know. Yeah. I was very disappointed. I wanted to be Anuman or, <laughs> well, or we, another Das of some kind. <laughs> we love Krishna Das. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm curious about the um I if you could talk a little bit about um I want to uh, I'm going to try to frame this the best way I can because of my inexperience but the about the chanting and um is there a difference between the you know so I might listen to your chanting for instance and then maybe there's a uh, another person that uh does it chanting, like maybe Sai Guru does a chant, or Yogananda does a chant, and then Krishnadas does a chant. Are those, I mean, are those like different, are they different? Or, or I, I'm going to try to get there. I'm, I appreciate your patience. Yeah. But, but I'm wondering, because I don't have that background, I'm, is, I'm trying to Here's the intellectualization again, you know. What, what do you compare it to? Is it like different songs, right? So yeah. I might listen to one artist who, who has a particular song within a particular genre, and then I listen to a different artist within the same genre. I'm wondering, is the chanting different? And does it have a different effect on people who are listening? So if I sit in your concert, is it different than if I sit in another person's um, concert? Well, y- yes and no. I mean, on the these... Uh, as long as we're talking about the repetition of the name, yes, yeah. that's the yes. It's all the same. Okay. Uh, I can't speak to what other people do. Right. Right. And nor can I speak to what you experience when you listen to me or other people. Right. Only you know what that is. What mm-hmm. it, how it feels to you. Yeah, that makes sense. That, so <laughs> all I can tell you is that I sing to Maharaji. Mm-hmm as he has uh, allowed me to do that. And I believe that his blessings are transmitted through the chanting. Mm-hmm. He could do that. He could use a rock for the same thing, but he's <laughs> letting me do it for my, for my benefit. Yes. You, know? you are so humble. <laughs> you are so no, people humble. People say that, but I, my are, answer is, well, you are. I know me. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what I hear uh, and see. So. You're yeah. entitled to your delusions. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just a question of what you feel. Yeah, I appreciate feel, that. I, uh, yeah. What you enjoy, essentially, is what comes down to what fills you and what mm-hmm. what you, makes your heart sing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a, uh, a favorite moment? There's probably been so many, even just being in his presence, um, your, your uh, Maharishi. It, was there a favorite moment that sticks out for you? Um, or was it all an open heart? I mean... There's so many moments, it, you know. Yeah, I bet. There were so yeah. many ways that he showed you that he knew everything about you and was with you all the time. You just, as time went on, you, you just started to live in that presence all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just remembered something the other day, you know, in the, <clears throat> in the first round of being with him, he would send us, we would go to see him, and then he'd say, come back in three or four days, you know. 
So we'd be sitting around Nanital in the hotel and, you know, just waiting to go back. There wasn't much to do. And we heard about a, a Baba who was going to be chanting somewhere in town that night. So I went to I went there and uh, I'm sitting in the room with this Baba who had the long jetta, you know, long hair yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. very beautiful face and very austere looking and and they started chanting and, and they passed a chillum around which had hashish in it okay and at that point in my life I, I still smoke once in a while once in a long while so even though I haven't smoked in a while I decided well it's in this spiritual why not they're all doing it I took a hit and I started singing along and the next day, we went to see Maharaji. And he goes, you went to chant with that guy? And I said, yes, Baba. He said, he poisoned you. Oh. I said, what do you mean, Baba? He said, it wasn't just hash in the chillum. There was a little what they call datura, which is from a plant, which is a poison. And it's also a psychedelic, which oh. explains why I got so, so into it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then Maharaji goes... He showed me you were playing like this on your on your on your legs with your hands. I mean, he was there. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. He was, and he did this all the time for everybody around him. You know, it was. Uh, after a while, you it didn't even impress you. You know, I mean, you, <laughs> it was just it was a, the way it was. Yeah, with right. it, he knows everything. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. and uh, so there's so many moments like that. Yeah. That's, and I remember. Um, Thank you for sharing. I was recovering from hepatitis. I had. I was really sick. I almost died. <clears throat> and uh, at this point, I'm in the temple, living with him now. In summer, of spring '72. And uh, one day, I stayed in my room all day. I was not feeling well. The next day, I came out, and I he was there. So I went up to him, and I pranamed and. He said, you were sick yesterday? Aha, uh-huh, Baba, yeah. He said, when's your mother coming to India? My mother? <laughs> you know, I said, Baba, she's not coming. Acha, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> Later that day, I get a message from yeah, town, was, from yeah. the hotel yeah. in town, my friends, devotees who around the hotel. There was a phone call. My mother called. She wants to talk to me. So the next day I went to town and I... In those days, you called the the town operator who called the the, the, the county operator who called the state <laughs> operator who called the federal operator oh, who called the national operator who <laughs> called goodness. the international <laughs> operator who then booked the call to America and then it came back. Sometimes it took twenty four hours to get a call through. Oh, my now you pick up a cell phone anyway. Yeah, right, now. right. But in those days, so I get my mother on the phone. I said, "Hi, mom. How you doing?" She said, "I want to come to India." <laughs> oh, no kidding! Wow. Uh, I said something to my mother that if my daughter ever said it to me, <laughs> I would lock her in a room and give her a bowl of rice once a week for the rest of her life. <laughs> my mother said, I want to come to India. I said, uh, I have to ask my guru. <laughs> <laughs> and did you? Well, he already told me. He, he already knew. Right. He already, told he already I, knew. I pretended he didn't, and I went oh. back and I said, my mother wants to come to me. Let her come. Don't let her come. Ah, shit. 
That is so funny. Oh, that's wonderful. I know. But he treated her so sweetly, you know. Oh. I told her to bring a really nice sweater for him, you know, the best sweater she could find, uh-huh. a little, like cardigan or some kind of uh-huh. pullover. So she brought this really nice uh, dark maroon, very beautiful. And he took his blanket <laughs> off. He took his sweater off. He put the sweater on right away. He looks around at the Indian people and said, you you blah blah blahs come here and you never bring me anything look at this woman comes all the way from america and drags this thing here and how wonderful you know he just he made her feel like a queen it was so that's wonderful and then so she spent about two weeks in india i think or maybe three weeks we spent about a week in the mountains and a few days on the plains and and then then she went so as we were leaving the temple for the last time, I mean, we had come every few days to see Maharaji for about mm-hmm. 10 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we are leaving the temple, we walked across the bridge and then up the steps. There's a river and then up to the road and a car was waiting there. And um, she opens the door to the car and then she looks back down into the temple, right? Uh-huh. Maharaji was sitting on his bed outside, just sitting there like this, you know. And she looked down at him, and she just completely fell apart. She cracked, and she started weeping like a baby. I actually had to catch her and help her get in the car. She just started weeping. And, you know, that was it. That's the moment that Mm -hmm. the hook went in, you know. Yes. And that happened almost to everybody who was around him at one point or another. Yeah. That was the moment that your heart actually recognized what was going on mm-hmm. there. That's what really beautiful. what was the love that was there. Somehow or other. All the protections and the walls and mm-hmm. just came tr- crum- crumbling down and yeah. the heart just went, "Oh my god." And you knew it was truth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah. One of the things with um, Yogananda has said that he's more present now that he left the body. And I know you said that about your teacher as well, that he's more present. And I'm sure you didn't feel that way initially, but how has (laughs) – yeah, I know, I know. How – has that ha- I, well, they say that about all the saints. You know, they're not in their bodies in the first place. Oh, right. You know, oh. Uh, one time, one there. You know, there been, there's a few little old Super Eight movies of Maharaji, like maybe a total of ten minutes mm. that one Indian devotee took, and then one of the a Greek woman who was one of the devotees took one at the end, little one, and. I had just come back from India and I went to a friend's house and they just happened to be looking at the videos. And I looked at it and I laughed and I said, that's not Maharaji. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Maharaji puppet. <laughs> oh. You know, the, that's the yeah. Maharaji's the, the great puppeteer who's pulling all the strings for all of us. Yeah. But because we're, we're puppets mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we have puppet eyes, mm-hmm. We can only see other puppets. So he creates a puppet of himself and drops it down here for us to, to get our attention. Yeah. 
because we don't see what's beyond the body. We mm-hmm. don't see what's beyond the mind and the emotions. We're stuck. Mm-hmm. So these great beings, they they manifest a form for us to get our attention because we're so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. It's so dull. I mean, and we're just so lost, you know. Yeah. And out of their love and compassion, they manifest something to grab our attention mm-hmm. and get us on the right road. Mm-hmm. And I know we're running. We're getting we about, close yep, to the end. About seven Would minutes, you yeah. mind um, sharing a favorite pranayama breathing technique for the people in Detroit <laughs> or all over whoever's watching in the country? Um, just something short, simple to help people get back to calm when, when they do um, – Feel well, anxious, especially now, anxiety, so so right? Much, you know, <clears throat> disruption. Now. You know, I, there's so I, many. Not, I won't do a pranayam uh, because I think it's more uh, pranayam is great, yeah, but in this case, I'm just I just would like to simply ask everybody just close your eyes for a second. Sit in a relaxed way. Don't you don't have to sit up straight. Don't torture yourself. Just sit in a calm, open way. And notice how your breath comes in. And notice how your breath goes out. We're not doing it. The body's doing it. It's just breathing. Actually, it's the life force in the body that's moving the body to absorb energy and exist. So just feel that breath coming in. Feel the breath going out. And when you notice that you're not listening or feeling the breath, just come back. You might be gone for 20 minutes before you notice that you're not paying attention to your breath. But all of a sudden, you'll recognize that you've been gone, lost in thought. How did that moment happen? We didn't do that. We were gone. How did we see that we're gone? That that waking up second is the result of our own work in the past on ourselves, our own spiritual practice. Waking up only comes from planting seeds of waking up. is still breathing. So rather than breathe hard and try to do something too intensely, just release everything and let go. It's not so easy. But just come home.
allow yourself to be at ease within yourself. We're here, we're home in our own being. This is where we really live. All our spiritual practices are designed to bring us back home. You don't need to get anything from anybody from the outside. Everything we need is within us. All we need to do is look and let ourselves feel it. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Oh, so Michael, if you could share his upcoming yeah, course. Yeah, before we, we go. We want yeah. to make sure that people, we can't get enough of you, and I know that's got to be hard <laughs> for you, but we can't get enough of you. So if you it could talk beautiful. about the really upcoming course right. with the Shift Network. So Wednesday, August 12th oh, that was uh, through Wednesday, September 30th, um, Christian Doss has uh, – eight-week live video online course starting on Wednesday, August 12th. It's called Deepen the Loving Presence Within and Develop Inner Strength Through Devotional Chanting. Um, I think as you saw demonstrated today and through our conversation with uh, Christian Doss, this could be life-changing for some of you or helping open doors that you may not have had an opportunity to have before. But I urge you to take the opportunity here to... um, take this course because it's um i take advantage of it yeah well <laughs> while it's here yeah so is there anything you'd like to add to that um uh, on your upcoming course uh it'll be fun yeah it'll be I, fun i think it'll be uh i really enjoy uh sharing that with people in a different way you know i i go around previous to COVID, going around the world chanting mm-hmm. with people and doing workshops this is an opportunity to go back and find quotes and stories and prayers and songs mm-hmm. that I've been collecting for 50 years that wow. I don't oh. usually, I'm just going this way. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. so being able to share those with people and, and kind of present a very broad feeling for spiritual life and, and, and living in a good way, mm-hmm. Finally, you know, it, it's great. We all need it, and I need it. We all need it. Yeah. Well, I did, I will say I did take your first class, the first one, a few weeks ago, and it does take you home. It it, it does help to deepen your practice. It was a beautiful experience for me, so thank you. 
so much for all that you give. Checks in the (laughs) mail, don't worry. (laughs) You are wonderful, so thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much, Krishna Das. We appreciate your time. Great to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you. Thank you. Namaste. 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 Namaste.